As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, This Is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. And it's all that we know, it's the way you lie, give all that we got. BTE builds products that you can depend on, whether it's a complete power glide transmission, a torque converter for your specific combination, or any related component or bolt-on item. The professionals at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed. Shop online at bteracing.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. As part of our 2019 uh, champion interview series, it is our pleasure to have the 2019 NHRA Sportsman National Champion on the line with us tonight. Ryan Montford, thanks for joining us, bud. How you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Jed? Could not be better. We we appreciate you taking some time for us. I know you probably got a lot on your plate and busy, and these things uh, take away from family time and whatever else, but we appreciate you leaving a little bit of time for us tonight to talk about your championship season. I appreciate you having me. It's an honor to be on your show. Well, we appreciate that as well. So, um, you know, one thing I like to always do is, is just a quick kind of geography session here and let people know where we're talking to you from tonight so where are you tonight i am in wichita kansas almost smack dab in the middle of the united states the nation's heartland wow that's right (laughs) what's the weather like in wichita tonight it's actually not been very good today it started snowing about mid-afternoon it's been kind of snowing and sweeting on and off and 32 degrees and it's supposed to keep up for a while yet so not the best day weather-wise here in Kansas. Yeah, sounds like pure misery to an Alabama guy, but I'm sure you guys handle it a lot better than we do. <laughs> yeah, it's another day above ground, though, so I can't complain too much. <laughs> no doubt. What do you do for a living, <laughs> right? Uh, I actually work at a bank. I'm a credit analyst supervisor, so we underwrite large commercial loans. It's not the exact typical... Uh, occupation of a drag racer but that's what i do <laughs> all right sounds really cool so <laughs> ryan for those of us that that aren't as familiar with your story uh, you know give us a brief rundown of your racing story kind of the who got you started and when that was and where that was how'd you get started in racing yeah uh, so i got started i was about seven years old and that would have been when my mom and stepdad got married uh, my stepdad had been racing I think his entire life. And at the time, uh, he was racing super stock. So I started going to the racetrack with him and got introduced to the wonderful sport of drag racing, got hooked early on. And then I started racing junior dragsters when I was nine years old. And then, uh, was able to move into super stock when I was 16, did that for 
couple of years, me and my stepdad, another guy by the name of James Kunkel, we had two cars and we raced those for a couple of years. And then I primarily have been uh, bracket racing ever since then. So that would have been so bracket racing probably since about 07 primarily, but uh, been doing a little bit of stock and super stock racing here and there. And uh, when I can, when I get the opportunity, but that's kind of where, how I got started and where, how we got to where we're at today. Cool. So your track you started at was where? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I missed that part. Um, I actually, where I started racing was uh, our local track here in Wichita. It was called Wichita International Raceway at the time. Now it's called Kansas International Dragway. Is where I started racing junior dragsters, but I primarily bracket race in Topeka. Very cool. So you basically had the same home track for for your entire racing career. Yeah, for junior dragsters, it would have been the Wichita track, but now I guess I would call my home track Topeka because that's where we do all of our points racing, and that's where I qualified for the ET finals and all of that good stuff. Okay, excellent. So you yep. talked a little bit of stock and super stock, and before I get further mm-hmm. down the interview, um, I was fixing to tease this when we were off air, but I said I'll I'll hold it when I yeah. did a little research on your Facebook page. Obviously, your 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 profile pic or, or background, whatever it was, has the uh, Copo in it, and uh, yeah. and I see that your name's on the window. So tell me about the Copo, brother. Yeah, so that was an opportunity that I got. Um, it would have been the end of 2014 is when I, I believe it was 2014 when I first got the opportunity to drive that car. So basically kind of a long story short is when we were racing super stock, we had, um, Todd and Alan Patterson building our super stock motors. So I'd kind of always, uh, been around them. And, um, I actually worked there for a little bit of time, right when I graduated high school. So I had a pretty good familiarity with them and they had a pretty good familiarity with me. And they had a customer, there's Terry Peterson that owned that Copo, and he was looking for a driver. And Todd was actually driving a Copo for another one of their customers. So I was lucky enough to get a phone call asking me if I'd be interested. And I said, you know, heck yeah. So got to do that at the end of 14. And then we ran pretty hard for 15 and 16, pretty full seasons. And then uh, since then, I've just kind of raced here and there a little bit we're trying to put together a little something for this year uh to maybe go to a few races but that's still to be determined at this point awesome i'm sure that was a blast oh it's that car is a lot of fun to drive (laughs) yeah they look like it (laughs) so ryan obviously you went to pomona and won the sportsman national championship which is super cool but uh there's a there's a journey to get there and you obviously had to qualify to get there so Take us down that journey. You know, you said uh, obviously you raced at um, at Topeka for points. Um, mm-hmm. That's the track you represented. Where were your bracket finals at? They were in Topeka as well. Okay, so home track bracket finals. That's cool. And yep. yep. And in your division, um, division five, what? What are the rules for qualifying to go to Pomona? Do you have to win race champions? Do you win the main event? How do you get there? So just you're saying just to get to the ET finals? Yeah, to get, to, to, get to Pomona. I'm sorry. To get to Pomona. Oh, to get to Pomona. So, uh, yeah, for our division, you have to win the ET finals race itself. So the the one that everybody's in that qualifies. To yeah, get. marathon. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, so you're... You're obviously chewing down the rounds. You're you're getting there, and you finally make the final at your bracket finals. And you know what's on the line. You're obviously an experienced racer, and you know what you're racing for. What was that final round like, Ryan? In the bracket finals. And yeah, so at the Topeka race, you're saying. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that final round, that was actually probably my worst round from a driving standpoint of the day and uh I just happened to get lucky with the other guy going red but I remember you know pulling into the burnout box like you mentioned it was a marathon uh earlier because you just go all day and it was nighttime I can't even remember it was maybe nine or ten o'clock at night at that point when we were running the final round and I just remember trying to uh, I've been lucky enough to been in a 
couple of national event finals on the NHRA stock and super stock side. So I just remember trying to equate it to that and just say, you know, you've kind of you've been in a situation like this before where there's a lot on the line. Just go up there and do what you know how to do. Unfortunately, I didn't follow my own advice very well. I think I was like 60 or 70 on the tree, but like I said, lucky enough, he went red. It was kind of funny um, reliving it now, right when I left this. So we run true start. So I didn't initially see his red light. And I just remember when I put my foot on the gas and right when I left, I knew that I had missed the tree terribly. And I just remember looking at the floorboard saying, you dummy, you just screwed this up. And then I look up and my wind light's on. So it was uh, a big swing of emotion all in about two seconds. Yeah, it seems like it'd take you a minute to tell the story, but it all happened in a couple of seconds, like you say. So, you know, sometimes It was we, literally... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say sometimes we talk ourselves into a good run. Sometimes we talk ourselves out of one, but you, know, it's, you, you need a little luck here and there, so... Obviously, you that get done, your wind light comes on, you know you're going to Pomona. What, what was that feeling like, Ryan? It was just absolutely surreal because I've been close a couple of other times before that. I made it to the semifinals, uh, a couple of ET finals, and just wasn't able to seal the deal. So to be able to, yeah, just pulling up to the tech building and just the uh, amount of people that are just grouped there and coming up and telling you congratulations, you know, it's just, something I tried to soak in as best I could at the time, just knowing that, you know, it's not something that you, you get to do very often, may not even be able to do it again. Hopefully I can, but definitely far from guaranteed. So just trying to really enjoy the moment and, uh, you know, start worrying about Pomona later, but just at that point in time, really enjoyed that race win with the people that helped get me there and who were able to celebrate it with me. Yeah. That'd be awesome. So I I watched the you know a video of your final round in Pomona and we'll get to that stuff in just a little bit <laughs> okay. but um the the whip you're driving I love it G body fan absolutely yeah. love it tell us about that ride yeah so that's a car that uh, my stepdad bought for actually my mom to race it was probably in about I want to say oh nine or somewhere around then. Um, Bought it from Luke Siebert, who I know you're familiar with. It was one of his old cars. and Yeah, uh, we backhasted it and put a bigger tire on the back of it, but basically kept everything else pretty much the same, the same motor and everything. And, yeah, my mom raced it in Sportsman for two or three years and just kind of – I think she just wasn't enjoying it as much as what she was when she first started. And I was racing our 73 Camaro and Pro at the time, and – he just kind of said, you know, you want to drive it in this car in Sportsman too? And I said, well, if you're not enjoying it and you don't want to drive it anymore, I definitely wouldn't mind driving two classes at bracket races, keep me a little busier. So oh, yeah, um, that's when I kind of, I started racing it since then. And it's been quite a learning curve to, to it really the reaction time in that car was my biggest challenge at first, just a car. I'm used to cars reacting faster. So getting, you know, I'm used to shallow staging, just hitting the third bulb and getting a good light. But with that car, you'd hit the third bulb, you know, like I would my Camaro and I'd be 60 on the tree. So it was just tough exactly. for me to find a spot for a little while. But I think we've, we've made a lot of progress. Since then, so. Yeah. And for those that don't know, you know, the sportsman category is the, the slower of the bottom bulb categories in NHRA racing and, um, you do have to swap feet. There's no uh, starting line aid. So his true foot brake and, and what do you, uh, was it 12 flat and slower, I believe, in the quarter? That's that's correct. It is. They actually just changed that to 1160, as I found out at the Division 5 banquet last weekend. But, oh, yeah, it's traditionally okay. been 12 flat. Yeah, so, uh, and, and tell the listeners what it is. What kind of car is it year and make? It's an 84 Pontiac Grand Prix. Yeah, really cool car. So, all right, you, you've won the bracket finals. You're you're the the man of the hour. Uh, all this attention is on you, and you're feeling really good about yourself. Now you realize that you've got to make a trip to Pomona, California. Was it immediate that you knew you were going to take your car there, Ryan? 
it, I wouldn't say with a hundred percent certainty, but I was kind of like 99% certain because just thinking about some of the other options that were kind of there, like getting a rental car, or like, you know, like a Corvette or something. And, so, and I'm just like, man, I was just really kind of set on, we got to dance with the girl that brought us. And I just couldn't imagine racing something else other than the car that got us there. And that we had, you know, just run that whole season and been so good to us. So it was really more focusing on how are we going to get that car out there? Were there some logistical challenges to to getting there? Not terribly so, but so our rigs, I mentioned earlier, we raced two cars, so we have a motorhome and then a sponsor trailer. And uh, I've never been to California before, but I know, our, you know, there's just a lot of, a difference of opinion, I guess, if you will, on what the rules are and aren't. And I've just heard some horror stories, you know, about trying to get in and out of California with a rig <laughs> yeah. like that. So I didn't really want, especially since we only needed to bring the one car, I'm like, man, I don't really want to drive the stacker all the way out there. So luckily, uh, a buddy of mine, Doug Marshall, he let me and he ended up going with me, but he had just a single car trailer that he said we could take out there. So it ended up working out great. Very nice. Do you know off the top of your head or do you remember the mileage, what kind of mileage it was from your home to there? Uh, off the top of my, I think it was right around 1,300 miles one way. Mm. Wow, even from the, the center of the nation, that's still a long trip, isn't it? I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> it, it was it was the longest road trip I had ever been on, that's for sure. Yeah, I can imagine. What kind of, so you drove, you took the motor home and, and took the, the single car trailer out. That's, that's correct, yeah. What kind of time off work was required, Ryan, to, to make that trip happen? Uh, so let's see, we left, luckily since I work at a bank, we had a bank, I can't remember which one it was, but we had a bank holiday on that Monday. Um, we went, we left on a Monday, but I didn't have to take off work. So it would have been a Tuesday through the following Tuesday. So, uh, for, uh, six, six work days. Okay. So not too bad. Uh, I mean, it, it was a little bit of a tough sell though, just because I had just got married on October 19th. And oh, then, my. so my wife and I left to go for a week and a half vacation in Jamaica right after that. And we didn't get back until, um, October 30th is the day before Halloween, I believe. And then, so yeah, to, that oh. one was on the calendar for a little while, but then to sell to my boss, Oh yeah, by the way, about a week and a half later, I'm going to turn around and be gone for another week and a half. That oh, was a yeah. little bit tougher, but luck, luckily he was cool with it. And once I kind of told him the situation, I think he understood the the magnitude of it. So, yeah, man, that's uh, that had been tough, but good good that he did understand that and and worked with yeah. you on it. That's that's a really cool thing. So, you arrive in Pomona, and we assume you get the red carpet treatment. Like everyone always says, every one of these interviewees, uh, what was the atmosphere like out there, Ryan? Yeah, so the weather was great, as you would expect it to be that time of year. And yeah, like you just touched on, it was just really amazing, the the treatment that the sportsman racers get, you know, at a national event like that. You you think you're almost uh, like on a a semi-professional level or like a professional level because you get to park up by the pros by close to the midway and you had designated parking spots and all of that stuff and so yeah it was just amazing the treatment that we got we got a really good parking spot and we got there in plenty of time to do everything so we weren't rushed to get the car out of the trailer and teched in and all that good stuff so it was just it was really pretty relaxing when we first got there yeah awesome so obviously now you're there, you get a couple of days of some time trials and the the ladder is finally put together. Tell us about your ladder. How did uh how did that look for you rounds one, two and three? Well, I know about I round three, really, so we'll talk about that in a little bit. Rounds yeah. one and two. <laughs> okay. Yeah, rounds one and two. I wasn't super familiar with any of the races. Um so, and you know, everybody's going to be tough when you get to that, to that race. So I really, I knew I couldn't take anybody lightly. And so I, I, I looked at the ladder. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't, but I 
also be lying if I said I really had a good feeling or a bad feeling or really any feeling because I just knew I really needed to focus on being on my game and not worry. Everything else would take care of itself as long as I could do my job. Yeah, that's obviously the the right approach. Um, so round one, what did that look like? Yeah, you may not remember exactly who you had or you might remember, but tell us a little bit about that. No, I remember the round. And I actually, uh, I'm glad that you asked because I wanted to add some context. I know when you guys uh, first did your show, you had mentioned that I missed the tree first round a little bit and I was because I was 60. And that is very true. But I just wanted to add a little bit of context to that 60 life. And, so you, so uh, you listen and heard something. Clear my name, but, oh, yeah. I, listen, I always listen to you guys. Well, the book uh, is yours. But right. no, Tell us about it. <laughs> so what had happened on uh, Saturday, so it was our last two-time trial, my opponent that I was set to run, he actually broke in the first time trial. And we were parked almost right next to each other. I saw him over there, and I was talking to his wife, and it was something in the rear end and she was like yeah i don't know if we're going to be able to get parts for it because you know it's not just a he drove a punny a newer body style pontiac gto and so it wasn't you know just a, a regular rear end that everybody might have parts for and uh so later on that night said yeah we're not going to be able to get it fixed but he was getting another car that he had never driven before and he wasn't able to make a time trial because he couldn't get the car and enough time to make our second time trial. So I'm kind of going into round one on Sunday morning, just thinking, okay, I'm racing a guy that has, you know, he might be able to get close to the dial in, but hasn't made a time trial at this racetrack. He's never driven this car before. So I need to really make sure that I turn it green. Now, you need to was see I it. Trying to go, <laughs> this, yeah, was I trying to go 60, maybe not that green? But I definitely was making sure that we didn't turn the red bulb on. So there's a little bit of context to that. Well, now when yeah, you're I'll try to when you're swapping feet okay. in a sportsman car, and obviously that you're a big tire car at that. So the car, like you said, doesn't yeah. move. So let's be honest, you're you're hitting a spot that doesn't exist. I mean, you're you're hitting a <laughs> rhythm spot as opposed to a visual spot. So all you did was probably revert back to your visual spot, which is the only thing you can do when you're being safe. And it come up 60, like you said, you know, you were having a problem with. So that totally makes sense. And I think any of us take that same approach if we're racing a guy that, that <laughs> hasn't been in the car all weekend and he's, you know, in California racing. So, no, I get that completely. So hopefully, uh, I won't go back and listen to the show. Hopefully we didn't uh, we, <laughs> we didn't get after you there oh, on 60. No, no, we, we not at all. We ended it delicately. Oh, yeah, very de- – yeah, I didn't take it to it whatsoever. No, I think you just made a comment like, oh, yeah, it looks like you missed the tree a little bit first round. And I just remember smiling because I'm like, yeah, it, it does look like that. <laughs> and did you know at the time when you heard it that you was going to get a chance to, to defend yourself and and tell your story? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it, but I was hoping so. Good. You're good. So, I'm not one much for social media, so I wasn't going to go uh, – Make well, a big stink out. Now, wait a second, Jed. Let's get this straight. You, know, nothing like that. <laughs> well, you should have got on me. If I ever get on you, <laughs> I can handle it. But, so you, you obviously get that round, and that one's behind you. You move into round number two, four left. What does that look like, Ryan? So four left, that's, this is when I was actually set to race the person that I – the only racer that I did know – um, a fair amount about and that's just her Sasha Hofer was her name and she had won uh, her ET finals like at least the prior two years I believe this was like her at least third time of being at the race so her this was the one race that I'm like yeah I've heard that name before and uh, definitely knew that I needed to I couldn't couldn't take her lightly like I mentioned I couldn't take anybody lightly but definitely if anyone definitely not her so uh, that was another one went up there. I think I was like, I didn't, I still didn't hit it great there. I was like 34, if I remember right, on the tree and um, got another red light. She ended up going red. So ended up being uh, an easy round from that standpoint with her going red. But Yeah. Yeah, those those help a little bit always. So you you yeah. got that win light. Now you're in the final round. Uh, for the Sportsman National Championship. Um, I happen to be a Hot Rod Fincham 
a fast and fencham follower on uh, on Facebook. Hot Rod, he's a great friend of mine. Obviously, his son Jake Ball, a very accomplished young racer from out here in Tennessee and my part of the country. Um, you might not have been very familiar with him, but I'm sure you you learned a little bit as you went and and kind of knew you you had a tough competitor over there. And your final round was indicative of a guy that that knew he needed to to hit it because you did. So tell us about the final round. Yeah, and it's funny the the fast and finishing guys that yeah Jake and uh, I actually I had not heard of them admittedly before that race and. I actually, unbeknownst to me, I was sitting next to his dad during uh, some time trials, and uh, he was talking to another gentleman. And I, one of my, I think it was one of my Facebook friends or something, I saw that they had commented on this Fast and Fincham page, and so I clicked on it and I was like, oh, they're at this race, you know. So I kind, I knew who they were when I was in Pomona, but not going into Pomona. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that final round. Again, um, I tried to kind of do the same thing that I told you I did at the, the our Topeka bracket finals and just saying, again, this is, you know, the biggest stage that it gets for us bracket racers on the you know, ET side. And so just trying to really draw on my experience from those other final rounds where I was very nervous and I was still nervous for this one. Just that feeling of, I'll never forget, you know, just from flipping to the lint for the lane and the in the staging lanes and then pulling up underneath the tower into the burnout box. That was just uh, something you just can't replicate no matter how much you just tell yourself to breathe and just, it's another yeah. round. I mean, it's, it's not another round. <laughs> so you That's can only psych yourself out so much, but yeah, the, the biggest thing about that round is I, you know, I had a couple of my buddies that have raced there at that race before and they were, they gave me the heads up. They told me, and when that sun comes down in the afternoon, about the time you're going to be running those final rounds and stuff, that is no joke. You can almost not see anything. And I know the the first round wasn't too bad. And the second round, I was in that left lane. And the, the my vision was inhibited a little bit, I guess, but it wasn't terrible. And then that final round, though, it was unlike anything that I've ever seen, or in this case, not seen. I remember after I did my burnout, rolling up to the starting line, and just kind of looking at the tree, and I literally couldn't see the bolts. I just, I could see the outline of the tree, and so I kind of roll up to where I know I'm getting close to pre-stage, and I'm kind of like looking around. I can kind of see the top pre-stage bolt, but other than that, I can't really see anything, so I'm trying to put my hand up and try to block the sun and move my head at all kinds of different angles, trying to see if one is better than the other, and then finally, none of them really seem to be helping, so I was just like, well, we're just going to have to run this round. And I know about where that third bolt was at because that's what I always focus on. So I just lit the top two. And then once the tree started coming down, you could kind of find it. But yeah. it was – that sun was just unreal. It's it's unlike anything that I've I've ever been a part of. Yeah, I hear that a lot. And, and you were leaving last. So uh, mm-hmm. he, he leaves and – you know the the difference in your ETs and about where you should start catching him, and it looked uh, really good a little earlier than what you anticipated, I assume, by the the difference in reaction times. Yeah, I knew when I left. You know, I didn't – I felt like I hit it solid. Like I said, I couldn't see the bolt that great, so I felt like I hit it pretty solid, but I didn't – I wasn't, like, as sure as if I would have seen it cleaner like what I'm used to. So yeah, going going down through the track, I was like, man, I felt like I hit it good, but I wasn't catching him. And so I was like, he probably hit it good too, you know, knowing that he's a good racer and everything. So I, I never could catch him. So, you know, just went down there and did about the only thing I could do at that point and just let him go. And luckily enough, my wind light came on and uh, the rest is history, as they say, I guess. Yeah, I think he picked up quite a bit in the run and and did. Uh, was not able to to kill it all. And you made a, a solid run. Your wind light comes on in the left lane at Pomona, the the World Finals. You are the 2019 Sportsman National Champion. What was the immediate feeling, Ryan? Can you even describe it? 
it's well, so my immediate feeling is that son kind of played a little bit of a game with me on the top end too. And when I looked over on the guardrail, the I thought I saw the light come on, and I was. It took me a second, but I kind of had to think about it. I was like, yeah, yeah, that light, that, it's definitely on. Yeah, it's definitely on. So it, <laughs> it took me a second to process just because I couldn't see it clear. And then, yeah, after that, it, it, it really is tough to describe. Just I just started thinking about, you know, how we got there, what it took to get there, and then how I was just happy to be there. Like, I would have been, you know, have, just getting the experience. But so to be able to finish it off with my wife and Doug there and have them come down and uh, celebrate and then get to go do our post post race interview in front of the great crowd there in Pomona, it was it was just amazing and something that I can't imagine ever forgetting. Yeah, I can only imagine that's a, a once in a lifetime dream for most. You've accomplished it, and you know hopefully you get to experience that again but if you never do it's a, it's a heck of an experience to have in your memory bank for sure um, yeah, absolutely so have you guys had the division five banquet yet ryan we just had it last saturday okay well i, I was just going to give you a little bit of advice um if you you know if you did for whatever reason if you needed a guy like troy ross to to lean on during the banquet, you know, I was just going to say, make sure he's right there where you can lean on him. Don't You know, you don't miss him or anything like that, but it sounds like uh, you've already had the banquet, so it sounds like you it sounds like you got all that cup. Yeah, I'm good. Did a little research on you, brother. <laughs> uh, so, like you, you mentioned earlier, your social media presence is, uh, I mean, for a guy with your talent and good looks, your social media presence is bad. Okay. I mean, that's just, I'm just going to go and say it. I don't know you that well, but I'm just saying it. So your Facebook completely blows up and explodes with all this attention. I'm sure your text messages went crazy, phone calls, whatever else. Uh, what was that attention like? Was it just enjoyable? Was it overwhelming? What was it? No, it was definitely enjoyable. It's always fun to get those text messages and yeah, Facebook messages and all that kind of good stuff after you, you went around like that. And so, yeah, definitely fun. And it's one of those things that in the moment, you know, you're just so dialed in and focused on racing that you kind of forget about all the people back home that are supporting you and watching you and kind of rooting you on. So then you have to get back to the trailer after that just emotional high. And then you have to see your, your phone and all the, the people that have reached out to you. It's really special. Yeah. I can only imagine. So what are the plans for 2020, Ryan? You much the same. You mentioned that you're, you're, trying to put a little something together, do some, maybe some uh, class racing, but what you're looking for, for, for this season? Yeah, you, you basically hit the nail on the head. It's going to be a lot of the same as far as me and my stepdad doing our, our local bracket racing stuff, just like we have been the past few years. And then, yeah, maybe hopefully we can <clears throat> uh, put together a little something to do a little bit of stock racing as well, but that's going to be our, our two main areas of focus. Oh, very cool. Well, hopefully you uh, have the same kind of successes that you had in 2019. I'm I'm sure if it doesn't go exactly like that, you'll you'll sure give them uh, give them heck on the way trying. So, uh, Ryan, lastly, before we wrap things up here, nobody competes on a level like you're competing on and doing the things that you're doing without a list of people that that have helped them along the way. Uh, surely you got a list of people you'd like to thank for some help. Yeah, I absolutely do. And thank you for giving me the opportunity. Um, the first person would be my stepdad, Larry Nail. As I mentioned earlier, he's the one that first got me going in this sport and has been there since day one. And literally racing wouldn't be possible without him. And then my mom as well, without either two of them, then I wouldn't be talking to you here tonight. Um, Next couple of people, Luke Siebert and everybody at Siebert Performance, Todd Patterson and everybody at Patterson Elite Performance, Sid Baldwin, Doug Marshall, and then last but certainly not least, my beautiful wife, Molly. 
Awesome. Sound like a great support group, and uh, I know each and every one of them are super proud of you, man. That's a, a heck of an accomplishment. Uh, you're still a young guy. you got a lot of racing ahead of you, and looking for more big things out of you going forward. I hope 2020 treats you extremely well like 2019 did, and, and really appreciate you taking this opportunity to uh, to share your championship season with us. Absolutely. Thank you for all the kind words, and I appreciate you having me on well now that we got all that wrapped up if you've listened to the show and you've listened to interviews you know we're not done um we got rapid fire you you might have thought rapid fire was you were going to escape it but you're not and typically <laughs> no, it's, i wasn't expecting to and it typically was it's five, the part that i'm most nervous about but. typically it's five <laughs> typically it's five questions but you were just such an interesting story. Uh, I put together seven for you, so just uh, just hold on tight. Here we go. Would you rather text or talk? Text. Yeah, how old are you? I'm 32. 32, so I'm 48. So I would rather text too, and I'm I grew up in a talk era, so I don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. These these smart devices and stuff are just totally changed me favorite ice cream flavor i would have to say good old-fashioned vanilla mm. yeah, i'm a little disappointed in that one we'll, we'll keep moving forward uh <laughs> what is your ryan what's your biggest fear or phobia my biggest fear man that's a t- i guess my biggest fear uh and that's a really tough one. I guess I would just say um, not being able to go racing anymore, maybe. I guess might be a, a good one. That would be rough. Like, mine's heights. Like anything, I'm terrified of heights. So. Um, yeah, I yeah. guess from a, that thing, like snakes, I, I, I hate snakes, I guess. but that, That'd be number two. <laughs> Do you like a little milk with your cereal or a little cereal with your milk? I would say a little cereal with my milk would be yeah. the way I lean. You're back from that <laughs> vanilla thing. You're back. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm, I'm glad I could redeem myself. What was the last song you downloaded, Ryan? Man, it's been a while since I downloaded. I listen to Pandora mostly when I listen mm. to music. I would say probably um, Money for Nothing by Dire Straits. Oh my goodness! Great choice. I, you go, I'm gonna download that one when we get done. That's excellent. It's a great song. Yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> Star Wars or Rocky? Uh, definitely Rocky. You are totally back. This one may be tough. Oh, this one may be tough on you. You might not want to disclose this, but I just gotta know. The last time you cried. It probably, man, it probably would have been, I guess the first one that popped in my mind, it probably would have been about three years ago when my grandmother passed away. Yeah, well, that's, that's as good a reason as you could ever have for, <laughs> for cutting onions. So um, yeah. I'm I'm not as fortunate. I'm an emotional guy. The last time I cried, yeah. my wife made me watch um, Fireproof with her, so if you're you're married, uh, yeah. you're freshly married, so watch Fireproof with your wife, and uh, that'll get me. That one's definitely uh, tough on you. So, Ryan, that's all of them. That was a, a quick get to know you, and I feel like I know you just a little bit better. And, and again, really appreciate you taking some time to come in here and share your 2019 Sportsman Championship season with us, and um, hoping that you uh, get those same kind of breaks and successes again in 2020 man wishing y'all the luck in the world we'll be watching all right that sounds good Jed. i appreciate it thanks for everything yeah man appreciate it have a great night okay you do Thank everybody for tuning in. To make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available, subscribe. And, and, and you can do that on 
Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing uh, our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest uh, edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day. Reasons to use BTE tune-up services. Number one, quick turnaround time. You won't be out of commission for half the season while you're waiting on your parts. Number two, unparalleled customer service and responsive communication. Reason number three, all brands of parts are accepted. It's not like they just work on BTE parts. Number four, BTE offers freight shipping discounts. They are located in the shipping capital of the United States near Memphis, Tennessee. And number five, reason to use BTE tune-up services, quality work from knowledgeable technicians helps your system achieve peak performance. Let's take just a minute to discuss motorsports insurance, specifically Larisse motorsports insurance if you're anything like me you know of someone uh, whether it's a friend someone within your racing family that has lost everything whether that be through or everything racing related whether that be via fire or theft highway accident on track accident and if you're anything like me you've also realized that you have a significant portion of your net worth tied up in your racing equipment. Maybe more than we would like to admit, right? This is, after all, our passion, and it can become a bit of a money pit. What you may not know is that there are options to insure your racing equipment, race cars, trailers, support equipment, both on the track and off, and that doing so is not as costly as you might expect. To do that for me personally, I chose Larisse Motorsports Insurance. They're a great company offering an excellent product and they stand behind it. Now, I've been so impressed with Larisse and their commitment to excellence in this regard that we've partnered with them through thisisbracketracing.com. Our own team member, Ashley Thompson, is a licensed broker for Larisse Motorsports Insurance. If this is something that you would entertain, that you would like to know more about and or get a quote for your particular op- application, contact us. Go to thisisbracketracing.com slash get a quote, and Ashley will get back in touch with you. Again, that is thisisbracketracing.com slash get a quote.
Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.